Hey, that's cool. <laughs> uh, that's a good way to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. After Supreme Burger Bacon Fiesta. <laughs> We're recording. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Heck yeah. All right. Welcome to the Irrational Discourse Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Chris. Hey, hey, guys. I'm Doug Sherman, and this is going to be our last episode of season one. Can you believe it? We made it through a season. Wow. That's crazy to think about. <laughs> I know. I was looking back the other day at the files, and I think we published our first one in April, so we're, we're going in, we're in October. Time flies. Yeah, it's crazy. And then um, I think I think uh, you and I have discussed this uh, after this episode. We'll close out season one. Uh, I think we're going to do a little bit of rebranding on uh, rational discourse. We're going to keep it as a rational discourse, but finding out it's a le- it's a little bit more difficult than we initially thought to find people that are interested in talking publicly on highly sensitive topics. Uh, they they tend to be more reserved. Oh, absolutely, myself included. You know, I I feel like I. I have like a necessary need to account for what I put out there, you know, for, for, for my words and I don't care. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, but I don't, I mean, it's, I, I, I do, but I don't, you know, yeah, it's, it, I guess I worry too much about somebody that's going to like, you know, hold it against me someday and, you know, not wa- allow me to grow, you know, or something. Yeah. So, I mean, we can still, I mean, most of our, most of our discourse just around the house is pretty irrational. That's just kind of who we are. So, I mean, we maintain a rational discourse and yeah. we just talk about <laughs> whatever. And uh, so, so this episode is going to be on top 10 sci-fi movies of all time. Our own personal top 10. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's a lot <laughs> of stuff out there. And I thought there was something that we could talk about. I saw a meme a couple weeks ago that said, every conversation doesn't need to be a podcast. And my first thought was, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's our podcast. If we want it to be, if we want it to be a, one of our conversations, then we can do so. So um, I think the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pause this for just a second. I'm going to swap out chairs because I'm in squeaky chair. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Man, I <laughs> take the dogs for a walk and carry a chair up the stairs and I'm out of breath. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I ate way too much food. Mm, dude, it was so good. Doug made these delicious specialized beef burgers on the Traeger smoker machine with bacon and jalapenos. And we ate them. We ate them all. And uh, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, unfortunately, it tends, I think that is one of the household favorites. And it's probably. But it's not probably. It's our least healthiest meal. That we <laughs> well, whatever. It's it's so good. Chris and I had a lot of fun doing the the sci-fi science episodes, and both of us like sci-fi. And there's always a debate, not a debate. There's always a conversation over you know what's our favorite sci-fi movie, or you know, which one out there is better than which movie, and why. And uh, so we wanted to sit down, and I don't know your top ten. You don't know my top ten. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got it. And there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that disagree with us and have things in their top 10 that aren't a part of ours. And I I learned something. I kind of thought it was going to be the case when I started to put together my notes on my top 10 was that once I had my, you know, top three, four or five down, I was pretty convinced that in the next 24 to 48 hours afterwards, I was going to change my mind. And I did. Mm. Oh, that's funny. And then I changed it back. 
And then today, because I was in a completely different mood, I, I mean, my the, my 10 are still in the top 10, but mm. the, the ranking on them continuously changes depending upon what mood I'm in. It is kind of a fun game. It's been kind of a fun game, like, to, to limit myself, you know, to pick, like, only 10, you know, like, and, and do my best to kind of rank it and 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 why you know i may de- defend my choices right um and i had to, i defended <laughs> mine against myself yes <laughs> so actually when i finished and i i went over the top too far with with the rankings on it and i got i got my notes here so i actually did a scale of 1 to 10 on seven different categories i did scientific plausibility storyline entertainment value watching repeatability the intensity of the movie, mm-hmm. how much humor was mm-hmm. intermingled in with it, uh, and the special effects. Mm, okay. And then I, I weighed those. So, for example, scientific plausibility only had a 50% weighting because we've discussed Star Wars in one of our sci-fi episodes, and there was a lot of things that weren't very plausible scientifically, but they're still one of some of our favorite movies. It's hard to not talk about Star Wars. Yeah, but watching repeatability... Uh, the special effects and the entertainment value all weighed higher than 100. percent Oh, because, okay. You know that's kind of really what drives you into the movie. So, so you kind of like made this formula uh, in a way. Yeah, Doug's formula. Doug's formula. Yeah, yeah, for the top 10 best science fiction movies of all time. Right. In my little variables are Doug's constant. That's cool. <laughs> like the Planck's constant, less known. Wow. <laughs> all right. So we'll start with number 10. Go yeah. back and forth. I think. Uh, well, well I, you know how I kind of base my stuff off of too is like just so I have not seen everything and I did do a little bit of like googly research where it was like you know best sci-fi movies of all time you know see what other people think and maybe refresh my memory and there's a lot of movies on a lot of lists that I have not even seen or had even heard of until I googled them so I've not I'm no expert I've not seen all the sci-fi movies um, so I was just kind of going off of my memory of what I have been exposed to and what I thought just kind of it. Chris's formula is kind of like Doug's formula, I suppose. Um, all these different kind of subtle variables, but I don't know if I'm aware of what they are. I kind of just am intuiting them. That's fine. <laughs> whatever, whatever gets you to the finish line. Yeah. Heck yeah. So yeah. Um, we're going to start off with like our number tens and kind of work up to our number ones. Yeah. It's like kind of a little game here. And I'm sure we're going to have, we're going to have some, uh, some of the movies, same, same movies on the list. I, I would be surprised if we had the same 10 movies on the list. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm excited to see what we came up with. <laughs> Who's okay. going to go first? Who's going to start um, with their number 10? Yeah, I can go first here. Let okay. me see if I got the page here. Yeah. Okay. So my number 10. Dumb drum roll is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh my god, that di- I n- didn't even think about that one. Wow, yeah. That one rewatchability. I've seen that movie so many times. It's such a fun one to just pop on in the background. I picked it because it has humor, it has wordplay and uh and really like I mean the whole like supercomputer uh and number 42 and the great question uh, you know, there's kind of some existential concepts and Zaphoid Beeblebrocks, uh, <laughs> the president, and the I, president, like <laughs> I read the book. I didn't, I saw the movie and I was, I think maybe I was disappointed in the movie cause I read the book okay, and I yeah. love Douglas Adams mm-hmm. and I think they did a, they, they did a pretty good job. It was entertaining, but God, I hadn't thought about that movie in 
since I've watched it once or twice when it came out. I haven't thought about it since. That's so. There we go. <laughs> that is awesome. And what, what's her name? It's Zoe um, Deschanel. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel. I there. really like her. Yeah, John Malkovich is in that. Um, was John Malkovich in that? Yeah, oh. he's got a, a little bit of a brief point. So Zayfoid, uh, Brox, who's played by Sam Rockwell. Oh my God! I uh, did not know that was Sam Rockwell. Yeah, uh, he's got the, <laughs> the bre- long blonde hair in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he's got this rivalry with, uh, what's the character's name? Um, he's got a rivalry with him. Play, but the guy that John Malkov- Malkovich plays um, is uh, is kind of like his thing. And yeah, and, and most deaf is in it. Um, and uh, the guy that plays freaking Bilbo, um, you know, it's kind of yeah, like really. He, yeah, he was. There's there's uh, quite a number of like. You know, various actors and stuff. No, I actually want to watch that again. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> I completely forgotten about that movie, but I did. I, I Douglas Adams, yeah, in, induced imagination. Yeah, the things he came up with were just completely abstract and absurd, and absurd at times. But, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forty two was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and then the, was, I think it was the next book was So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. Yes, <laughs> and then, <laughs> they they have that concept, you know, with the dolphins that uh, they take off, and yeah, and the mice, and and even the the super the depressed supercomputer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're that smart, I mean, what else is there to be happy about? Yeah. Good choice. Oh, thanks, man. So, yeah, what, what do you got for me, number 10? So, my number 10, Live, Die, Repeat, wow. Edge of Tomorrow. Wow, which we just saw last night, finally, for me. Uh, Doug had been wanting me to see it for, for so long. Okay. Uh, I, I did, and, you know, I, I summed it up with, it's a sci-fi killer robotic space alien version of Groundhog Day. Uh, where they upgraded Bill Murray and Andy McDowell, McDowell with Tom Cruise and a ripped Emily Blunt. That's and, exactly it. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> and I just that was and I I was talking to Holly about it this morning because she got up and said that she she ended up on a on a on a mental rabbit hole. She was last trying to night, figure out what's going the, on and everything. And and I told her she said I don't I, I got to see it again. And I just said. I enjoyed it the second time better than I did the first time. Oh, sure. Even though, it, re- again, it's Groundhog Day, sci-fi version. I love Groundhog Day. And I did, too. Live, Die, Repeat was really cool. Um, and a conversation that I had had with Holly, too, is, uh, yeah, it's one of those ones that, um, you know, I wonder if they would have it open-ended for a franchise. It's been, that movie actually came out 2014. So it's been eight years, and they haven't talked about it. I don't think they are. I think that was just kind of one where, and I don't want to spoil too much for anybody that hasn't seen it, but it kind of left it on a, a cliffhanger moment. Not not even a cliffhanger moment. It kind of left it to your imagination on what happens next. My imagination was evoked. And, All you know, night, Holly's <laughs> Yeah. Well, on the topic of spoilers too, folks, you know, um, yeah, we may be spoiling a lot of stuff for some people. So uh, I guess be warned. Yeah, because we can't talk about our top 10 without yeah, well, I'm talking about something if you haven't seen it. Yeah, well, like, so on the topic of um, Edge of Tomorrow, Lived I Repeat, my imagination was evoked, you know, because, like, at the very end, is it setting up? So there's this whole thing with the alphas and the time, mm. and, you know, they get the blood on them. And so that made him, like, go back for a day. But what happens? When, I mean, he t- at the end, he takes out the Omega and he gets the Omega blood on him. So does that mean that he's, like, he turns into like the infinite person that 
is doomed to like live every single possible choice, you know, and and now is just this like infinite being or something. No, so what happened was, is he took out the Omega, but the Alpha was closest to him. The Omega was well below him. That's right. So he ended up, the Alpha was the ones that, that triggered the time travel and he got the, he ingested the blood before he died and it just kicked him back to 24 to hours time. before. But because the Omega was killed, then when they reset, the creatures didn't reset with them. Okay. So the Omega couldn't bring, because once the Omega was dead, everybody was dead. It's like killing the Queen Bee. Yeah. Yeah, you just provided an insight. Um, yeah, because I had seen it different. You want to get your mic? We got, a, we got a visitor. Oh, he's leaving. Yeah. Josh yeah. wanted to join us, but no, he didn't. He's got batteries instead. He's got batteries. I think we we decorated for Halloween today, and I think he's uh, we're we're feeling zombie it. Zombie hands. Oh, for the pumpkins. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Good. I think that's good. Uh, so that's we good. have uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. So that that's number ten there. Um, so for anybody who's interested, my score on Edge of Tomorrow was forty three point five out of a possible seventy. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I had those. Se- I had those seven categories of the scientific plausibility and the watchability and you know, the repeatability, all on a scale of one to ten. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. My my geekness. I had to. I had to put everything in a spreadsheet. Dude. Well, statistics is a good way of knowing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Your turn. We're okay. on number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Minority Report. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Tom Cruise strikes again. (laughs) He makes the list number nine, number nine. Minority Report. Uh, So that one, uh, you know, is about pre-crime, and they've got these three psychic super people that are hanging out in some milk pools, and they can tell the future. And uh, the world is in a utopian state because, you know, they can live peacefully or whatever, but kind of like a general premise yeah all right <laughs> playing mario party back there yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but i love minority report in fact it's um tom cruise colin farrell it made number 14 on my list on your, so oh wow okay i ended up actually writing down 25 movies and then they all got sorted by my by doug's algorithm and it came yeah. out number 14 on my list so it was one that i when i first when we came up with this concept it immediately popped into my top 10. Yeah. But then I started coming up with other movies. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've probably seen it five or six times. I love it. It, it can be kind of depressing. It, it at can times. be depressing. Yeah. And you know, so I noticed a lot of the things on my list kind of have a heavier tone to mm-hmm. them, but I think that kind of is what adds to the, the tone of a good sci-fi film, you know, right. Is like the emptiness and bigness and deepness and unknowingness and mystery of space, you know, it yeah. leaves this, certain kind of feeling, this certain vibe, this this tone, you know? So, you know, it's kind of okay that it's a little bit darker, right? You know? And yeah, Minority Report definitely fits in. And it, it opens up the door, too. You know, Tom Cruise's, you know, career is pretty fantastic. And he uh, did have a couple running scenes in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Vanilla Sky, too. Um, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. But yeah, the Minority Report was... It was a really good movie, but yeah, intensity was one of my seven categories. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it just, you know, how sitting on the edge of your seat at times. And uh, it was a pretty intense movie. Yeah, and one of the characters, too. You know, the guy that um, 
you know, Colin Farrell plays, there's all the different characters had a lot of depth to them. You know, their their motivations for why they did what they did and, and stuff. Colin um, Farrell's one of those guys that plays an awesome asshole. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah he's got that, like, you know, chip on his shoulder, that secret chip on his shoulder or something. But he was, <laughs> he was, he was a good asshole, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. He's, he, he's got that, that righteousness. That arrogance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just the right amount. <laughs> All right, good. No, that was a good one. All right, so my number nine, 1987, 19... The Predator. Whoa. Yeah. That is awesome. I love that movie, too. Aliens, Arnie, Apollo Creed, Jesse Ventura, and one badass alien with a cloaking device. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Wow. That was the first time outside of Star Trek where I had seen a cloaking device. Oh, cool. Yeah, you, you had the Klingon Birds of Prey that would have the cloaking devices, and this one was just on an alien. But the whole concept of a special forces team being in Southeast Asia in this alien killing machine going down just hunting, and you got this group of badass people, you know, with you know Apollo Creed and, and Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And they're actually the prey. Yeah. It was, it was a great <laughs> No, I love that movie. I've seen it a dozen times. I, I, I've seen it countless, too. I mean, gosh, I remember it always being syndicated on Saturday afternoon matinees and big fan of Arnie, uh, you know, ever since I was younger, too. I mean, he's just so awesome. You know, I grew up around, you know, his excellence. <laughs> okay, so one day you need to go out. I don't know if they would have it on, on Amazon. Definitely don't buy it. But if you if it's not on Amazon, you should look it up on um, YouTube. I'm sure they have bits of it. It's called Hercules in New York. Hercules in the Yard in New York. Oh, in New York. Yeah. Okay. And I think that was his first movie. Wow. Yeah. You know, after he came over from Austria and he started um, pumping with you know with Joe Weider and, and Gold's Gym and and he was just he was this hunk of humanity that was physically two decades ahead of his time and they ended up getting him in movies. But his, his Austrian accent was so bad. Oh, yeah. That they dubbed over his voice. The voice was horrible. Oh, the movie man. was horrible. <laughs> I mean, the movie was so bad. But it's, I think it's Schwarzenegger's very first movie. And wow. it's, it's one of those, it's comical Our almost. In New York. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could probably watch like two or three minutes of it, get the gist, but it's good to at least experience. I think I made it through 10 minutes of the movie and I had to stop. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was the whole concept of, Hercules and all his righteousness somehow getting thrust into like New York and back in the late sixties. You know, it's dude one predator too. Like excellent franchise, man. Excellent pick. Oh uh, yeah, it's some and some and some great lines too. You know? Yeah. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. <laughs> and what was that? Yeah, you're one ugly motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's, he just laughs. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that movie, and I like the I like the second Predator wasn't very good, but it was entertaining, and I, that had um, uh, Glover, uh, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, oh, was yeah. in it, and I also think was it, I think Bill Paxton might have been in that one. Really? Hmm. It's been maybe. A while yeah, since I think I've he was that. one of the cops. Huh. I remember that one being a little bit more comical. Predators Two or Predators? That's the one I'm thinking of. Not Predators Two, but Predators with Adrian Brody. That one. Oh, where they actually go down and into the underground and the whole th- um, the planet thing or whatever. Kind of gives the history of it, and yeah. that, that was like the first merging of 
aliens and predator no no you're, you might be thinking oh of, i'm thinking um, of uh alien, alien versus, versus predator. predator yeah those were fun but uh meh yeah yeah cool concepts but i don't know if they were quite delivered all the way for i do remember the one with adrian brody in it barely vaguely I'm, i saw it once it's that cool, was it it's a cool ass franchise and we just watched prey together too um that one was fine too it was entertaining. Yeah, but that first one, you know. The first yeah. one was an all-time classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, enough to make my top ten. Arnie, Carl Weathers. Yeah. So good. How <laughs> about Jesse Ventura? Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was fun. All right, good. So that so, covers number ten, number nine, down to number eight. All right, here we go. Number eight for Chris's list is Contact. Holy shit, that's another one that didn't make my list. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's funny, because yesterday, it, yeah, no, I think it was it was, la- it was last night. I took a shower before I went to bed, and I was sitting there, and I was thinking about the podcast today, and contact popped into my head, because wow. I, I enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah. It, there were parts of it where I just, I couldn't, it didn't, it didn't make my top 25. Yeah. But I really liked that movie. Yeah. A lot of rewatchability for me super fun um weird kind of new concept uh you know with like this unknown space alien making this transmitting this coordinates and information and stuff i I also love the parody that rick and morty did of it uh too uh there's an episode um that one i haven't seen it must be past oh yeah it's it's a small little like little vignette where this uh this little guy um captures Rick and Morty and one of their escape plans is they they beam coordinates like they did in contact and they they they're able to escape by replacing these two innocent scientists with them in this guy's like torture chamber basically <laughs> but i think contact was fascinating for me because i love the movies where the initial contact is made that discovery and that was you know basically it was the girl that Jodie Foster portrayed in that movie, and I can't remember her real name. Oh, right. She's based but off of a real she's person. She's based off of a real person. Yeah. And they they did it not as a direct... They they used the real person as a reference for creating Jodie Foster's character. And yeah. she had been... She was involved in NASA for a while, and she was the director of SETI. Yes. For some time. And she's very... She's very well known in the astrophysics community and and um, probably the astrobiology community, but uh, very you know, pragmatic, intelligent, matter of fact, logical, rational type of person. And and I thought the dynamics between the dynamic between uh, Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey in that movie was brilliant. Totally, yeah, yeah. They had good chemistry. Um, he brought the life out of her nerddom, you know, and really. <laughs> Yeah, he, um, he kind of grounded her. Yeah, yeah. Good choice. Good, I, I did. It was, I was, <laughs> I was uh, it was, it was last night. I was in the shower and I was thinking, I thought of contact and I thought, why didn't I at least, you know, make it in my list? And then I thought, no, I'm not going to go change anything because I don't think it would have made my top 10, but I, I really like that movie. Heck yeah. Yeah, like the design too of like the space, you know, like craft and how, you know, just like geometric portal thing it's like spinning around like a gyroscope and then they, they drop the cage that whole like thing and but it was she experienced 
hours worth of time. I love the but time like dilation. The time aspect. dilation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when they sh- <laughs> she sees the playback, she just the ball drops straight through, and yeah, that's and everybody's it. like, "You're crazy. You didn't really go. You're making this up." And then, like, you know, she finds a way to prove it in court. And, uh, yeah, because they <laughs> ended up with like two and a half hours of static or something on, yes. the, reco- on the actual record. I, I don't remember how it was, but it was a good twist at the end. That yeah, that's how exactly how they were able to do it is like, but why was it recorded for two and a half hours? Cool. Good so choice. yeah, there we go. Yeah, Good thank choice. you. It's, yeah, we were on the same wavelength at least at one part of our thought process for the last week. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. My number eight. Two thousand nine. Star Trek. Star Trek. I loved it. Just Star Trek. Yes, the two thousand nine. I I am oh, old yeah. Trekkie. I'm I old think school. Think of that one. And I am such a fan of the original cast, and the way they rebooted that with. I mean, it was an all-time an all-time classic with such a cast. I mean, Chris Pine was perfect as Captain Kirk. Oh, totally. Uh, Zachary Quinto as Spock. Oh, yeah. Uh, was was excellent. Simon Pegg as Scotty. Heck yeah. Carl uh, Urban as McCoy. So good. Yeah, Zoe Saldana is just brilliant. I mean, she's beautiful in doing oh, the part of Ohura. Uh, Ohura, uh, and you know, sadly, Anton Yelchin who played Chekhov. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He died a few years after that show. I think Anton he, did? I think he was like 26. What? I never heard about that. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was something, it was actually something crazy, too. He ended up, I don't remember how exactly the story went. I think he was like at the gate um, of either his house or a friend's house. And he got out because the gate wasn't opening. Oh, my God. And the car wasn't in park. And it ended up pinning him and crushing him against the, the gate. Yeah, it's basically crazy. like he ran over himself. It was it was a crazy accident. Man, tragic. He was talented. Yeah, John Cho was uh, Sulu. Did a yeah. great job. Uh, Chris Hemsworth played uh, Kirk's father. What? At the very beginning. That was... That is him. That was Chris Hemsworth. That was a young Chris Hemsworth. That's incredible. Yeah. Winona Ryder was Spock's mom. Yeah. And then, of course, what a cast. And of course, Leonard Nimoy was in it. And the fact that they could do that was just so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pine. So Leonard Nimoy was very into having uh, Zachary Quinto do that part. He was perfect for it. And Chris Pine was so nervous about it that he actually wrote William Shatner a letter and asked him if he was okay with him playing his part. And William Shatner wrote back and approved. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I know it was good. And the other thing that I really liked about the movie, it was the first time that an in-depth overview of both Kirk and Spock's life history was given. Hmm. It started Heck off yeah. with Spock when he was young and in Vulcan and going through school and yeah. and all the shit that he went through from the other Vulcan kids because he was half human. Right, yeah, he didn't really quite fit anywhere. And Kirk with his... Uh, you know, living with his his mom and his stepdad that he couldn't stand, and he you know he was a rebel and stole his. Well, he was like looked like he was like ten and stole his stepdad's car at yeah. twelve and just went on a joyride. Went on a joyride, <laughs> driving it off a cliff. No, it was great. I I, I like that. And that one is awesome. That's a good pick, man. Yeah, and the other thing that was interesting, it was bittersweet. Um, we talked about uh, in the in the in the sci fi science. Uh, Part two episode, we talked about Michelle Barrett, who was Gene Roddenberry's wife. Okay, yeah. And how she had done the voice of the computer and and several, like Star Trek Voyager and Discovery and I think a couple others and maybe some of the movies. She did the voice of the computer in Star Trek 2009 as well. 
Oh, sweet. And she finished recording it from her house two weeks before she passed away. Wow. Yeah, it was. she passed away in 2008. Rock star. And there was a bit of interesting trivia that I had heard before on Star Trek. When, when the doors open and close, you know, in the old Star Trek episode, they would go... Whoosh, yeah, they had a completely different sound in 2009. It was more of a high tech. Had a, would have like this little hmm. high pitch to it. It's actually the sound of a Russian train toilet flushing. What? <laughs> I went on YouTube. I went on YouTube and looked it up, and sure enough, so there's some guy <laughs> with a cell phone camera, and the video is on YouTube, and he's just standing in the john on a Russian train and flushing the toilet, and you hear, and then when it sucks it out, it goes. Doesn't wow! Sound, and that's where they got the sounds for the for the doors. Oh, sound engineers! So much fun. <laughs> Love the Star Trek franchise. There were there was this thing about uh, odd episode movie curses with Star hmm. Trek. Hmm. It was considered the curse. So the first Star Trek movie, which I believe came out in '79, was really bad. It, I mean. It, the acting wasn't bad. I mean, it was so slow. It was just one of those movies that I think I watched it when I was like 11 or 12. And, you know, you're just like, oh, my God, this is painful. Oh, yeah, just didn't have the tempo. And then number two comes out, Wrath of Khan. It's awesome. Yeah. And then the third one, Search for Spock, was kind of a flop. And then the fourth one came out, and it was, you know, so they had these. This was actually. Tempo. Yeah, and this was, uh, this was an odd number movie. And there was a lot of people that talked about the curse, it, hmm. but mm-hmm. it was it was a big it was a big big hit, and they've had three more movies since then. Hmm. I feel like I have heard something to that tune before, but yeah, no wild. All right, good. So we are down Here. to we've Let's covered see. ten, nine, eight, on to number seven, All Mr. Right. Griff. Number seven. Number seven. <laughs> Lucky seven. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more topical, a bit more modern. Uh, I have fallen in love with that movie, uh, so it, it, it made my list. Um, you know, I my, my list may change over the years, but boy, that movie, uh, the rewatchability, I've seen it four times now, I think, maybe five. Holly and I saw it a number of times in the theaters. Her and her mom went on a date and discovered it, and uh, we've just been cuckoo for it um ever since and uh I've watched it a number of times on the road um i kind of don't really want to spoil it for you but uh no you got to i we're going to spoil it some things um, for some of the listeners you know like what what i'll say is like the the design of the ufo was just super cool and somebody made um somebody on my so so if you haven't seen it folks you know go see the movie and um you know have a good time and if you have seen it uh somebody on my one of my social media platforms, they, they made a comment, and I don't remember who you were. I'm um, sorry, but they they referenced it in tandem with Jaws, the the old shark movie. Yeah. They were like, it's just like Jaws. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, and really kind of thinking about it, just uh, a lot of the shots and, uh, you know, some of the – a lot of the shots, really, the, the filmography shots, you know, I, I can see that and, you know, some of the other design elements – but just the whole thing with the UFO is just freaking awesome. And there's certain comedic elements that pop up. Um, and, you know, it's certainly spooky. It's a really great piece about nature and, and a lot of different forms of nature. And, you know, like some of the, they say some of the greatest art, you know, comes inspired by nature. And 
that's really, I think, why it's made my top 10 list. Is It's just so enjoyable for me, and I can just keep on watching it and watching it. And uh, the soundtrack and... Uh, you know, just a lot of the, the the choices that Jordan Peele and his old team there, uh, everything that got made, I, I loved it. It was awesome. I've been intrigued by this since you and Holly saw it the first time because you came back and you were so pumped about it. And then I think it was like five days later, you guys went on another date and went and saw it a second time. Yeah. And I've, I've wanted to see it since. And, and, and I was right with you because... You know, Chris actually approached me earlier today, and he's like, "I want you to see Note before before the episode," and and I wanted to, but we just had entirely too much going on around here. And oh yeah, time. And, no, and I've been busy too, and it, tempo, you know, <laughs> right? And last night we kind of had a choice because I had not seen Nope, and Chris had not seen Edge of Tomorrow, and it, we had enough time to watch one and we kind of debated which one that was going to be because our plan failed on watching one Thursday night. That's right. But you decided that you wanted to see Edge of Tomorrow yes. first, so we did. And then I did think, well, maybe I'll have time to see Nope today, but it just, we got too busy with yeah. dinner and Halloween. No. And, and there's so many and, things, you know, we'll get there. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I want to see it even more now. Heck yeah. All right, my number so seven go. is going to draw some hate. Ooh. 1977, Star Wars, A New Hope. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Only number seven on my list, oh. and I'm sorry. This is Dude, one where no, I that's went. love. So when I originally created my list, I just wrote out ten movies just spontaneously without thinking too much. And I think this was number two or number three on my list. Yeah. And then when I went and did Doug's algorithm, mm-hmm. it dropped. And I went back, and after I had my my top ten movies done, I said, you know what? It makes sense. But it was possibly the most impactful movie I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Just going to the theaters and seeing it for the first time. Because you, I don't, did you get to see it in a theater? Did they replay it? Or did you see it on what well, would have been VHS at the time? I did get to see it. So, like... My dad, growing up, was very encouraging of Star Wars. He loved it. And when they did the, like, the digitally remastered version, they did a theater release of it. I can't remember what year it was. Um, sometime in the 90s, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, had all those digital upgrades to the visual effects and the also Dolby to the sound. Surround. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they did that, there was this, like, vintage movie theater um that was going out of business but they were going to do like a last showing of the new release of the star wars and it was this huge to do you know people in cosplay and stuff and it was one of these old theaters with like the big red curtains and it's all golden and art deco on the inside and biggest screen like in the whole region at the time and it was all super freaking cool. So yes, I, I did get to see it in a theater, and it was freaking phenomenal. It was, and it, it I mean, it was staggering for me. And it was one of the, it was the first movie that I saw. And I was, I was only ten, and I, it was the first movie where I just talked about it for like days and days. And my friends, oh, we yeah. talked about it for weeks and weeks. And I, and I, I was telling Josh the other day. The funny thing was, so at the age of ten, I was already starting to become a history nut, and I was fascinated with World War Two. My parents knew this because I was always talking about 
Yeah. You know, the soldiers and war and... Which you were interested in. Right. So they took me... I didn't know we were going to the movies. I just came home from school one day and they're like, hey, we're going to go see this movie called Star Wars. I hadn't... I didn't know anything about it. Nothing. Yeah. And my friends hadn't talked about it. No, I was into sports and things like that. I remember standing in line at the movie theater to get in and I'm thinking my parents, knowing how much I like World War II, were taking me to a movie to see a, like a documentary or something about the heroes of wars. Wow, yeah. Because it's like, <laughs> oh, these are... So-. And that opening scene where it just... Po- after the text, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And then the Star Destroyer, sh- Destroyer shooting at Princess Leia's ship. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think my jaw dropped, and it stayed that way for the next hour and 45 minutes. Oh, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so... Yeah, for, for it to be number seven on my list was really difficult for me, but there were reasons. I mean, it, but I, there, there's some interesting things about it and going back and reading about it. It was during an early rough cut viewing of that movie, uh, George Lucas invited other producers and directors to come and see the rough cut viewing. Yeah. And at the end of it, somebody asked him, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> and Brian De Palma He's another producer, director. When he left, somebody asked him, you know, what did you think of that? And he said, I think this is going to be the worst movie ever made. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, George Lucas was so certain that it was going to be a flop that during the premiere, he didn't even attend. Wow. He skipped it, and he went on vacation with his good friend Steven Spielberg. Wow. (laughs) And they they went to Hawaii for a couple weeks, and during the whole time, they came up with the idea of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's amazing. Yeah, sitting there working on that together. But <laughs> the, I think the most annoying aspect of that movie for me was um, Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. That is pointed to uh, it at times, but I have to defend it because as annoying as it may have been, it, it's it's kind of perfect character, you know, like he's. You know, you just wanted to slap him. He did. I, <laughs> you know, and um, Hayden Christensen, when he played uh, Anakin, you know, did, had the same kind of role. And you just yeah. wanted to just... There was one scene where, you know, Luke was throwing a temper tantrum. I, I don't know how old he was supposed to be at the time when he was on Tatooine. But, you know, he's probably like 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And he throws himself kind of down on his bed and... He's sitting propped up, and he's got his little toy starship or yeah. spaceship, and he's flying it around. And I was like, "Does he think is he still like seven? I don't know." Oh, yeah. Was, <laughs> but yeah, he was. It was real. I actually like Mark Hamill a lot today. I like him because he's played it like in the Kingsman. He was great. He plays more uh, comedic roles, oh, like yeah. kind of like goofy comedic roles. And, well, dude, and he was the Joker in Batman the Animated Series. Uh, he played the voice. Holy crap! His voice acting performances. Um, to, he, he's awesome. You're awesome, Mark. We love you. Now, Harrison Ford, on the other hand, offset everything that, that Luke did. Harrison Ford was awesome. And I, I one of the interesting pieces of trivia on that is um, Harrison Ford had played bit roles in movies uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, including um, he had a very bit role in American Graffiti, which was mm. a George Lucas film. Yeah. And he only did a few other bit roles after that. And he ended up taking a job as a carpenter so that he could basically feed his wife and two kids at the time. And he had a, a friend who was a, he was the guy that would, forget the actual title, they, they were the, the cast director. They were the people that go out and would find the, the members for the, the, the cast for the shows. Yeah. His name was Fred Roos, and he was a huge Harrison Ford fan. He had gotten Harrison a job as a carpenter, 
at um, what was the uh, what what was the company name? It was called American Zotrope. It was founded by uh, George Lucas and um, oh blah blah Francis Ford Coppola, mm-hmm. and it was a production uh, company. And he got him a job working on the front entrance to that building. And one day, Harrison Ford, 1975, 1976, so a few years after um, uh, after American Graffiti, was working on it, and George Lucas come walking in with Richard Dreyfus, And they were talking about the Star Wars script. And George Lucas recognized Harrison Ford. And they started talking, and he originally asked him to join him on the set and help work lines, like read lines for the actors and do these kind of things. Yeah. And he almost turned it down because he was making $500 a week as a carpenter, and Lucas offered him $485 a week <laughs> to join him on the script. Wow. And he's like, I got a wife and two kids. I make $15 more a week. I think I'm going to stay as a carpenter. Fred Roos finally talked George Lucas into paying him an extra $15 a week. Wow. So Harrison Ford is like... <laughs> Yeah, all right. I'll go. I'll go ahead and take it. <laughs> and he did. And then the rest is history. Oh after my god! That. Yeah. George Lucas had made a comment to him one time. He's like, Harrison, this is a movie about science, and it's about flying spaceships and things like that. He says, do you don't know anything about flying. And he was like, flying? Yeah. Landing? Not so much. <laughs> and George Lucas said, after that line, he. Knew that he wanted him to be. Oh, awesome. that's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> so wow. that's my number seven. I know. It, hey, no, I know a lot of people think it should be a lot higher on the list. I would actually, I can't disagree with you. And on on any given day, it would be in my top three. Yeah. But it depends on what kind of movie I'm in the mood for. I think on that time when I made this list, it's number seven. Rock and roll, heck yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right, let's see. Here. We're on number six now. Number six for Chris is Prometheus. Oh, another Aliens movie. Yes, Aliens uh, and uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, Ridley Scott film, definitely darker in tone. Um, The feelings that I just get from watching that movie, Prometheus, specifically. I picked that one because I feel like that's like kind of the pinnacle of the alien franchise like the most exceptional one it was like the origin yeah it was the origin story yeah and um you know i mean just goes really deep out there into civilizations that are potentially you know like what are they type two civilizations that are seeding life on other planets and they may be you know our creators and they've developed what seems to be this xenomorph virus thing that can just absorb and assimilate and transform any form into its own purposes. And, oh, my God, it's just so terrifying. And then the android, David. David was Fassbender. Wicked. Yeah, Michael oh, Fassbender was, David was awesome. Oh, so good. It just, oh, so excellent. And, you know, they even have, like, kind of ideas for deep space travel and, like, the whole stasis thing. And, I mean, it's just really well done, well-rounded and... Yeah, really like that movie. I think uh, I think uh, good job, everyone. Great special effects, and that was yeah. one where it had me thinking for quite a bit because I had to go back and it's like, okay, well, I need to watch this again because I think I missed a few things. Sure, yeah. And then the second time around, it started to click on ah, okay, so you got this race of aliens who, apparently, by the way, they acted at the end of it were pretty arrogant asshats. Sure, yeah, and. 
tampering with biotech and it got out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, that us humans wild. would ever do anything like that. No, totally. <laughs> that was an enjoyable movie. I think I've I've seen it two or three times. Uh, Charlize Theron was was absolutely fantastic in that. Oh, just so being, cold. Just being cold. Badass. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cold and badass. And then can't remember the name of the guy that played her her, her dad. Her dad in that. Yeah, and um, he's he's been in some awesome stuff. Well, he was in. He always plays an asshole too. I mean, <laughs> most of the time, yeah. He was in. Um, was it Iron Man three? He was. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that was working on creating the the super mutant. Mm. Whatever fire. I don't really remember blossoming people. Yeah. Hmm. Good but choice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Prometheus again. Yeah. Like you said, special effects and gosh, yeah, the acting. Yeah. That that one just good sci-fi film there. Yeah. Good one. Can't begrudge it. All right. All right. Down to my number six. 1980. Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars Strikes Again. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) It's my number six. So number seven, number six. And again, this is another one that could be in my top three on any given day. And it's also one of the few sequels that outdoes the original. Oh, yeah. I, I just enjoyed it. Empire was, it was darker than A New Hope. It was grittier. It was a more mature movie. Yeah, oh, it yeah. was. They learned a lot. A New Hope was kind of had this fantasy feel where, you know, the rebels and they're coming out of nowhere and you got to save the princess and then the rebels rise up and they blow up the, the Death Star and yay, everybody celebrates. Han, Luke, and Chewbacca all get nice shiny medals and then happy music plays at the end. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I, 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 it made my top 10. But Star Wars Episode Five, it was more, realist, it was more realistic. I, I mean, you had the insurgent rebels finding out that it was far more difficult to challenge uh, an established evil empire um, than they did in A New Hope. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I mean, they, they got their butts kicked on, on Hoth right at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, they were kind of on a run the whole way through. And, you know, even at, at the end of the movie, the, the bad guys were winning. It ended, on a, it ended on a bad note for the Rebels. It did. Yeah. And it had one of the all-time great plot twists. If you look mm. at, like, the top three great, you know, just at the end of the movie, the yeah. <gasps> gasp out loud That's type movie. That's a good movie. point. Yeah, the uh, Luca, uh, the father, and the things. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, that that's a pretty huge one, actually. But, pretty but, huge. You know, and I would have to say, you mentioned Luke. I thought Luke, I thought Mark Hamill as Luke improved between A New Hope and Empire. Oh, yeah. But he almost single-handedly ruined the goddamn movie at the very <laughs> end with his, no! Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it's just so passionate look on his face, and it's like, God damn it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got great character development. Yeah. It's good. It's good. <laughs> but an awesome movie. And there, there's a... Uh, I love James Earl Jones. Okay. One of my favorite memes is just a picture of James Earl Jones sitting there. And it says, a lot of Star Wars fans have come up to me and asked me to say, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> he says, and then I remind them that the quote is actually, no, I am your father. Then I use the force to choke them within an inch of their life while they <laughs> weep and beg for forgiveness. I love my fans. <laughs> I just love so Empire was Empire was a great movie. I do I do like I mean, I love number four, love number five, but I gotta I gotta give the edge to number five. 
Uh, okay. As, yeah. As the all-time best Star Wars movies for me. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. It was just. It was a lot more dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you the the, the realism kind of more tone kind of comes in. You know, it's not so uh, sugar-coated, You know. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the battle on Hoth was it was fantastic at, at the beginning, and the you know we talked about it in the Star Wars episode with uh, Luke on his um, tauntaun and the Wampa coming up, and you know it. What was that? Was the one time one big goof from that movie where they had New York stamped on the butt of the of, oh of his lightsaber <laughs> when it was stuck in the snow? So, it was, but it was an all time great movie. But even then, they you know Luke came in, they tried to save the day against the ATATs, and but they got their asses handed to them. It's good drama. It is good drama. We made it to the top five, the, the, the bottom five. Yeah, here. Let's try we keep going. Let's take a five minute break. Yeah, okay. Let's sweet. Get a couple more beers, and then we will rack off the top five. All right, let's do it. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Irrational Discourse Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, you can send us an email at debate at irrationaldiscourse.com, or you can contact us directly through our website at www.irrationaldiscourse.com. Please include your name and location if you'd like a shout out for your contribution. We only ask for and strive to give in return a little love, acceptance, and mutual respect.